This is the MDRT Podcast. The information you provide to clients doesn't go nearly as far if they don't actually process and remember it. During a Zoom conversation, Abigail Yabot, Manila, Philippines. Joseph Tan, Singapore. Shared what they do to confirm that their explanation is having the desired impact with clients. I think by nature, I'm a teacher because I teach parents, right? So, um, of course, in a presentation, it's important to engage them in each slide. I don't believe in putting all the information in the slide because sometimes all they do is get fixated in what's there. So I usually just put in some very catchy words and then explain it from there and make them really... Sometimes if I feel that I make them share something about what they learned, ask them if this is something that is useful for them. Making them compute their own magic numbers is a good way for them to understand that we are doing this not because I'm selling to you, but because you want to know what exactly your needs are. So it doesn't matter if it's me or another financial advisor or another company. As long as you know exactly what you need and that's where you act on and that you don't buy out of impulse only and you regret it and you feel like you have just been robbed of your savings. And of course, at the end of the presentation, I make sure to ask questions that explore what they've learned and encourage them to really just take at least, you know, pick at least one to three points that they can use for themselves, you know, in terms of saving, not just for getting a policy, but in terms of maybe sometimes it's just really writing down their expenses because most people don't do that anymore. Or maybe, oh, they learned that if you take away boba every day, <laughs> you'll be able to get a policy. And then they think bigger than that and they say, oh, maybe if I take away the boba and the Starbucks, then I'd be able to save for, like, say, something that they want, like maybe a new cell phone or a TV. And I think that's extremely important to ask them also a feedback of how I can improve as a speaker. Because in the end, that would determine that they are really listening and that they learned something. And in the same way, that would also tell me what else I need to work on. Sometimes they say, oh, you know, when you said this, it sounded a little bit judgmental to me. It could be just them. Or when you gave this statement that if you don't have 100 pesos, then you better join us. Because they have that kind of, you know, if you can't save 100 pesos a day, then that just means that you don't have enough income. So maybe it's time to rethink on what you're working on now. Is it worth it? Where is it this headed at? Or you might want to add extra streams. And of course, that's when we pitch that they can also do this part-time. So sometimes that comes on a little bit too strongly. And I do take that. But in terms of transferring knowledge, I feel that, like I said, the best way to validate is when you ask them questions and they can answer well. Or at the end of the day, if you ask them, do you remember your magic numbers and they can say it right away, then that means they learned something from that session from you, Joseph. For my practice, right, what we tell clients is that three types of advice. We give non-transactional advice, we give personal advice, and we give transactional advice, right? What is personal advice? It's like smart people learn from uh, other people's mistakes, right? So personal advice is very subjective. So I could tell somebody about what happened to another couple, another family. Right? It's up to them to think whether it's right for them. Transactional advice is product, insurance or investment product. But when it comes to non-transactional advice, right? It's about, are you spending too much? Or maybe are you really spending too little? Should you buy a new house? How much do you sell your current house for? Should you change your job? Should you expand your business? Or should you go and take your master's degree while not working for two years? 
right? So these things, as I mentioned just now, I think the non-transactional advice will always lead to the transactional advice. So I'm very focused on making sure that when I'm not around, the client wouldn't make purchase that is too unaffordable for them. So what do we do? We give them the financial report that we generate for them. So that when, when they look at the report, you know, it has very obvious pointers about what they should do or what they should not do. And we make sure that whenever they want to make certain decisions, they will call me. So I, I get a lot of phone calls. I get things like, oh, I want to buy a Rolex. What do you think my budget is? You know, I get calls like, oh, you know, I just gave birth to my second child. Do you think I could quit my job for a couple of years? Can, can my husband's income support us? If not, should he go find a new job? And if he finds a new job, you know, what kind of salary should he be looking for to sustain the family? You know? So in that way, right, the client becomes very entrenched in the process because if you ask me whether what's more important to them, buying the bigger place just because they have a new baby or buying the mortgage insurance to cover the mortgage in case uh, the husband or the wife falls sick or dies. To me, it's the first one. Can they afford the house? Right? Because if you don't buy the house, you don't need to buy the insurance. Right? So for that part about whether they should buy that house they like, can they afford it or not, it's, it's self-motivated. It's their main concern. And I'm in it with them on that concern, even though I don't get paid for it. So I guess this process already helps me to educate them. But when you talk about pure education, right, we're talking about things like my newsletters. I have a yearly newsletter, although I would love for it to be half annually. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm not going to talk about finance. In my podcast, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the feelings of men and women when they're in a relationship. Again, it's very non-transactional, right? not related to product. And we make ourselves available right? to, to handle all phone calls. I have two staff right? to, to cater to all types of requests for advice. So uh, I guess that's how we educate the client in that manner. Has there ever been a time where you felt the education didn't work or the client didn't understand something? If so, what did you do about it? Yeah, I think that it's never 100% for us. There will be some who feel that they are forced into going into this or that they're just satisfying somebody's wishes into attending the presentation and that they're not really listening. You will know because it's like they have a wall. And in cases like those, then I try to take it easy in terms of giving them the information and just focus more on just befriending them more than anything and just getting their trust. There will be some instances also where when you present a product to them, like say for here, I remember because here buy term invest the difference is a very big movement. And I actually always tell my clients who bring it up to me just to do buy-term invest difference and get a VUL because they say that in VUL, it's only the financial advisor and the twins. And I try to really educate them well on that. But sometimes because it's, you know, it's like a cult. <laughs> so they like believe in it like with all their eyes and their minds and their hearts. And it's you. it usually takes years to break. And I have an existing client like that right now who I've been working on for like the past three years. And I was so surprised 
when she approached me last December and she said she was ready for a VUL. And so we did everything and it's just short of like paying for it on Pruan on our gadgets. And at the last moment, she said, hey, you know, I think I better step on some breaks first. I need to think about it again. So we're now back to the drawing board. And I think what works for those people is really not to push so much. Sometimes you also know when it is really something that they need to park for the moment. And it's because they went into the presentation. Because, you know, when you do a presentation, it's important that they have the money, the authority, and the desire. And sometimes either of the three is really not there. So even if, no matter how good your presentation is, because it's missing something. Like, say, to just give you a specific example, I was talking with the husband all this time. He's an overseas, you know, he has an OFW, he's a foreign worker. And of course, they bring in a lot of money into the Philippines. And I was just telling him that you don't want to do this for the whole of your life so that you can witness your children growing up as well. And so we decided on getting a plan. And so when he was actually listening in the beginning, and then I realized midway, I lost And I was thinking, what did I do wrong? Did I change my stance? And it was really more that he was worried. In the end, he said he was worried that the wife wouldn't approve of it. So I knew that no matter what I said from that point onwards, when his face changed, he would not be able to get anything out of. So I just really requested for another meeting with the wife when she was ready. Because it would really appear as if you were competing with the wife because she's the one who handles the expenses. So you want to figure out where you went wrong. And again, if it's the person is not ready, just have always just be there to just educate still gently and maybe look for another timing to present. Because we, of course, all of us here know that life insurance is something that is extremely important to everybody. There's no exception. I always say, unless you're a vampire and you, you are immortal, Right. Because all of us, you know, not all of us will get sick. Not all of us will probably retire poor. A lot of us will probably, you know, have a lot of money from our parents or from the businesses. But all of us will definitely die. So that's where the need for life insurance will come in. So it's frustrating, but it happens a lot of times. So I think when clients don't listen to our advice, right, I think it's really important for us to give them ownership of that mistake so that we don't have to look like the bad guy right so no you can't buy this ferrari no you can't buy that lamborghini you know obviously they're making emotional decisions so for myself what we do is i will say okay i'll put on my poker face okay so you did this all right can i get some data from you to update your financial report so we update the financial report and then we say okay so this is the before and this is the after what do you think? Then they answer it for themselves. I mean, in the end, they still might say that, oh, no choice. I had no choice. I had to do this. Okay. So the best thing I can do for you is I'll see what I can adjust. Or I'll see what I can recommend for you to adjust. Like what Abby said, right? If you don't drink the boba tea, maybe you can pay for the other thing, right? So then they have to own it, right? And there have to be disclaimers. I've had clients, right, who prefer to buy certain financial products over what I'm recommending. And I tell them, I said, no, you, you can buy from another advisor if you want to. Maybe your cousin just joined the industry. You know, somebody close to you, you owe them a pledge of allegiance. You have to buy from them. I say, go ahead. But can you buy in the way that I design? Can you buy in the way that I have advised, even though the transaction is not by me? I say, oh, but no, 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 no. My cousin says that 
I have to buy in the way that he says, okay, then can you sign here? I, I do up a, a letter. Can you sign here? You say that you have met me, I've given you this advice, but you took the other advice instead and you, your family doesn't hold me responsible. And then they're like, why, why, do I have to, why do I have to sign this thing? Is it because in the event that you're gone, like who will your family call? And then they say, of course they'll call you, uh, Joseph. I say, yeah, exactly. They will call me. They won't call any other advisors or your bankers. And I will have to disappoint them to tell them you decided to do the other thing other than my advice. So at least I can answer to your family. So can you please sign here for me? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Some people really sign. So I guess that's where we disclaim. Disclaim for our incompetence? No. Disclaim for any unfriendly things that might happen as a result of the fallout. That's the end of this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, you can find us on SoundCloud and Spotify at MDRT Podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.